Welcome to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, and I'm honored to have Becca Carnahan joining us today. Becca is a published author, career coach, and proud mother of two. She received her master's from Harvard School of Education and has spent the last 12 years coaching people from all walks of life through discovering their passions and career sweet spots. While the majority of her career has been spent working on the Harvard Career and Professional Development team, she took the leap and started her own career coaching business two years ago. She published her first book, When Mommy Grows Up, as a way to encourage working moms with not just advice and resources, but much needed humor. Through her work, she created a community for not only working moms, but anyone looking to reimagine their dreams and truly love the work they do at any stage in their life. Becca, thank you so much for joining us and being willing to share your vast experience in the career counseling world. So right off the bat, Becca, Let's just talk about this for a second. Did you always think you'd end up doing what you're doing right now? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I love this question because my short answer is no, of course not. I had no idea. And I don't think any of us fully know what we're going to be when we grow up. Um, But when I look back on it, there were certainly themes. I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. I wanted to be the person in the back of the restaurant decorating the plates with fancy sauce. I think wanted to make things look pretty. Uh, I loved anything related to humor. I loved to write, but I went to school for sports marketing. I didn't think I was going in this direction at all. That's the beauty of life and career and career coaching is you can find new directions and continue to do so throughout your life. You know, it's funny. I think doors open in your life, don't they? And you never know where you're going to end up. I talk to my kids about this all the time. I'm like, hey, look, you never know who you're going to meet, where you're going to be. And so then it's recognizing those opportunities and then trying to align them with your passions and everything else. It sounds like that's what you've been able to do. That's exactly what I've been able to do, which is awesome. And it's what I love helping other people do. The fact that I get to do that for my job is just really cool. And especially, you know, at Harvard and then with working moms. So as a father of a daughter, I'm on a mission throughout her life so far to try to empower her and make her feel like, you know, she's strong and can do anything she wants because she is. And so you talk about, and and I love this when I was reading, looking through your blogs and and just all about you, you talk about asking people all the time, what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And and I just love that because you're asking that to adults that are already grown up. So what, what does that mean to you? And why do you ask that question? I have found that it comes to me at a certain time in life when people stop asking this question. And usually it's, you hear it a lot when kids are little, you ask them what they wanna be when they grow up, you start to ask high school students what they're going to college for, college students what they want to do after college. And then we just stop asking the question, but who says that we're all the way grown up when we're 18 or 22 or 32 or 42, et cetera. I mean, we're continuing to grow up throughout our lives. We're continuing to grow and learn and evolve. So when I'm asking that question to adults, I mean it. It's like, when you grow up next, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I find it to be an empowering question because it puts you back in that childhood dreamer stage of, yeah, the world is out there. I can do amazing things with the time that I have on this earth. So let's make the most of it. Absolutely love that. Cannot tell you how much I love that because, you know, it's interesting when I was in college, I went to school on a debate scholarship, and here I am, part of my debate scholarship was I had to go to Toastmasters, where there was a woman in Toastmasters who's 63 years old, just finishing up law school. 
So cool. And I remember what an inspiration that was to me at the time because I thought it doesn't matter where you are in your life. You have the opportunity to make that change, but it starts with you making that decision. And yes. so I want my listeners for a second just to, I want to encourage them, encourage you to, to really think about where you stand right now in your life. Are you following your passions? Are you asking yourself that question that Becca asks, you know, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? And then making those things happen. And I challenge you to do that in your life right here, right now, because in a way, Becca, and this is what I admired about you, was that's what you did. You started your own career counseling business. Was there a moment in time, a particular moment, a shift in yourself that led you to that decision? Yes, absolutely. And it's funny, my husband and I were actually talking about this recently, and he probably asked me about 10 years ago if I ever saw myself starting my own business. And I said to him at that point, oh gosh, no, that's not that's not for me. I don't know what how I would add value in that way. Couldn't see it. The big inflection point for me was when my kids were born. So I have two kids, I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old. And once I became a mom, and this, there's other moms who are listening, you, you know this, dads too, I don't mean to say just moms, but speaking from my experience that your life just shifts when you become a parent. You, some of your, your priorities change, your, your goals and dreams, they might look the same, but they might look different. It was a big turning point for me because I realized I wanted to be as present as possible with my children and experience these moments with them while also chasing my own goals. But it does take a lot to start your own business. So there was that that decision that had to be made because you've got to yeah. put in the time there. So how were you able to do that? How were you able to balance that time? Yeah. So once I, as, as the kids were starting to grow up and I didn't really have this fully clarified yet, I knew I wanted to have this presence and, and do both things. Just in talking with other moms at the playground, to be honest with you, I would talk with them about my career and work and they would find out that I worked in career services in higher education and say, oh gosh, can we talk for a second about my own career inflection points? I realized that there was this whole group of other moms that were very much like me who were at these inflection points in their own careers. And I could take all of my experience in the career development space and my experience as a mom and that empathy and humor and all of those elements to create a business that served them. So it was this spark of seeing like, you know what, this is the people that I want to be serving. And absolutely, it was a big jump to create my own business. There's a ton of imposter syndrome that happened there of thinking, oh, can I really do this? Am I good enough to do this? I saw the need and I felt the spark. That's what really pushed me to do it. And I was doing it on the side for a while before taking it full time. And I'm sure it's a story for a lot of people that you're doing something on the side, you're building it up until you feel comfortable and confident that, you know what, like I can take this full time now. Uh, because I've built it to this point. Yeah. And, and I want everybody to listen to that too, because you don't have to leave your job or or completely do a life change. You can start to do things on the side to see if it works. I mean, every business I've ever started was that I had to have a safety net. I couldn't just like not have any income coming in. There was no trust fund sitting over here. So, you know, I had to do that. So it's okay to kind of test and trial and 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 try things out. I, I love that. And you know what else I love is that it's not just the impact on your family, but then think of the impact that you're having on all these other families. There, I, I promise you, and it goes the same with my family. Like, so we have family friends. These are extremely bright, college educated, you know, highly just intelligent people that, are, that maybe just want to be home with their kids, you know, during the day. And and we all do, you know, we want to be there and have that love. But there comes a time when those kids start school or something, you know, where all of a sudden you have this free time. And you want to be intellectually challenged. You want to have adult conversations. You want to be in, so you get to help people do that. And I, and I just, I challenge my listeners to literally, you know, 
try to make that happen for them, to find those moments, to find that opportunity. And, and that's what you're doing uh, with your job. And that's why I'm just so drawn to what you're, you know, what you're involved with. And, and by the way, the impact that you're having. You talk about a career sweet spot. Can you tell me what you mean by that and you, how you help people you know, discover it? Because I think that's an important part of, of the mission and, and the journey. It's so foundational to thinking about what is next for your career in life is to develop this career vision. And for a career sweet spot, what I mean is kind of, if you picture a Venn diagram, an actual sweet spot in the middle between your, your passions, your skills, and your value add, essentially meaning like who's going to pay you to do these things? Where, where is your value going to be um, most seen out in the, the market, whether it's with clients or with a company, et cetera. Uh, so where can you find the overlap? between these things, between the things that you love, the things that you're good at, and who's going to pay you to do those things. So some of that is is self-reflection and going through career coaching exercises and um, tools to do that to find out what those passions really are, um, as well as kind of assessments um, and coaching to figure out the skills, research to figure out the, the value add. And then once you can find that where that sweet spot is, overlapping that with what are your motivators and needs? How does that all play into this picture too? So that you can create a vision and then a strategy to go get it. So listen to what you just outlined though. We invest so much in other people, our kids, our spouse, you know, uh, other family members, you know, the community, the schools, we spend time volunteering in schools and PTAs and all these other things. You talked about discovering your needs, your passions, all these things that involve you. And a lot of times we're not used to doing that, like turn, you know, putting the mirror right in front of us and saying, okay, what is it that I really want? What is it that I really need to feel fulfilled in life? And so that's okay. Love that you explained that. And, and you, you gave a good, I think, map to somebody who can actually follow that and start answering those questions. So you, we may want to run that back a few, time, a few times or put an outline around that because that's, I think that's a great uh, roadmap. Yeah, I'm glad, it, I'm glad it could be helpful. And I, I think that you're, you're entirely, entirely correct. If you can say like, and I forget this now as a career coach because I have these conversations so often with people about their needs and about their passions. But oftentimes when they're coming to me and having these conversations, it's the first time they've had this talk in a very long time, if at all having someone really trying to drill into like, yeah, what are the things that you really care about? And it's so empowering to realize that that stuff matters and you can make a career in life out of the things that you really care about. Well, that's because we're used to being Uber drivers, spouses, career coaches, you know, all, all but every, everything else to everyone else, you know, and, and that's so it, it's interesting because, and I think this is important through the, you know, through, I'm, I'm sure your years of experience, You've coached countless numbers of people from all walks of life, which I appreciate. What is, would you say would be the one common error or misconception um, that you've seen affect people in their job search? I think where people get stuck, there's a couple things. One is thinking that they don't actually have passions and thinking that they don't, they aren't passionate enough about something in order to make a change. And the way I help people break that down is by thinking about all the things that you just like to do. What are the things that you're interested in? Sometimes the word passion feels heavy and they're like, well, I'm not passionate about water skiing. Like I like it, but I'm not passionate about it. But what are some of the themes amongst the things that you do care about? And maybe it's around community. Maybe it's around communication. Maybe it's humor. Maybe it is around problem solving. 
you can find a passion area based on the things that you just like. Um, and I think that can be a huge hump to get over for people is identifying their, their passion areas. And then the other big thing is just feeling that you've made all your decisions, you're already a grown up, you're stuck. Getting over that hump is another big one because you're not, you haven't made all your decisions, you're not stuck, you have transferable skills and life experience that's going to be valuable somewhere else. We just need to help you think about what that goal is and then how can we develop your pitch and your positioning around that so you can sell yourself effectively into that new role. So, and I think that's important because I promise you there's people sitting out there that have mortgages and they've got bills and maybe they're backed up on their bills and living paycheck to paycheck. So I get that. Like, I understand that. But that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is where, hey, so start something on the side, see what it takes. You know, if you spend an hour or two a night instead of just watching TV or watching videos on your phone, if you actually focused on something that mattered and moving forward toward a specific goal, you may actually achieve it. I do want to say, and I think this is important, and it goes in line with what you're saying. I have a business mentor, and he always asks me, he said, is it a hobby or is it you know, a, an actual job? But define it. Define it for what it really is. So if it's a hobby, let it be a hobby, but then enjoy it. But if you can monetize it, you know, monetize it and try to make it a job. And, and so it takes the pressure off of trying to make everything make money, because eventually there's going to be things you just want to do just for fun, because it is part of your passion. So I think it's important to kind of make those you know, differentiate that. And is it a hobby? Is it something you can monetize, but then name it for what it is and then work toward the end goal. Exactly. And that's why that passions circle on this diagram of like the career sweet spot, you can have passions that live on the, on the outside of the circle that aren't in the sweet spot. That's fine. Just come up with all the different things that you love and figure out which of those, which of uh, a few things can you pull into the middle there to make that be part of your career and then have the other stuff live and exist doing other, other pieces of things that you like. And I don't want to simplify it saying that it's super easy to start a business on the side. It's complicated. You and I both know this, that like you're trying to build something. It, it takes a lot of hard work and there's, there's obstacles uh, to face to get there. But I do think that for most people, there is a way to carve out even just a little bit of time to, to start building something, to start job crafting your own role, to take some ownership. Yeah, job crafting. I love that term. And I also love dream sharing. So I always dream share with people. Like, I've, you know, I always tell people where I want to be, what I want to do. And you just never know who's going to help you. Whether it's somebody you're sitting next to on an airplane or standing next to an elevator, you just never know who anyone is or the impact they could have on your life. So a lot of this is about engaging other people around you and you know, uh, asking questions, being curious. I love being radically curious in my life, you know, that type of thing. So <clears throat> encourage my listeners to listen to what Beck is saying and, and, and try to change their life in a positive way if that's what they're looking for. So what do you think are the biggest challenges applicants face today? Because it, it is hard out there. And it's, you know, even though they say there's a lot of jobs open, um, there's also a lot of people looking for jobs. So then you're competing. So what are those challenges uh, that they're facing? And, and how do you help your clients work through that? One of the biggest ones, and I think this is across the board for job seekers, is that they start, they realize they need, they need a new job. They're unhappy in their role, or unfortunately they were laid off. So they just start firing off applications. Anything they see that seems remotely interesting, they start firing off resumes. And then they get frustrated because they haven't heard back and they've sent off dozens of resumes. Maybe they've heard back from one. They're feeling super frustrated. What they haven't done is really figure out what this vision is. What is that goal? What is the ideal type of job that they want? And how can they be strategic about their process so that they're not spending tons of time writing a bunch of cover letters, sending off a bunch of resumes, and instead being targeted in their approach 
and trying to, to network to get connected with these companies, trying to tailor their resume or their cover letter so it really speaks to the pain points of that particular organization. So being more targeted, I think, always pays off, as well as trying to make connections, getting to people rather than trying to sit in a pile of resumes. And so using LinkedIn or, uh, you know, family connections, business connections, anything, anywhere you can connect, I, I totally agree. Two, st- two stories come to mind. I had a friend whose daughter came to talk to me and she was looking for a job. And I'm like, what's your dream job? And she said, well, it's to work for this specific company. And she went on and on for the next like 15 minutes about how much she loved this company. And what I said, have you told them that? Have you written a, a letter to the executives? Have you talked to the people who are making these decisions? Because if someone ever sent something like that to me, I mean, I would take notice. And a matter of fact, she did. And she ended up getting the job, which was amazing. And, and it just separated her from hundreds of hundreds of others trying to get the same thing. The other example I'm going I'm to uh, use is Millicent Phillips, who, who, by the way, works with me at the Quiggle Group. When she sent me her cover letter, you know, with her resume, it wasn't just a paragraph. It was a whole list of all the reasons why she wanted to change people's lives and make an impact in other lives. And I was moved by it. I mean, it, you know, it made my heart feel good because I was like, here's somebody who shares the same passion that I have that wants to make an impact on other lives. And isn't that who you want to surround yourself with? So yes, I believe you have to find, you know, the passion, the vision, the mission, and then try to connect with those companies. So again, great advice. I appreciate that. So in your opinion, what makes someone a strong candidate for a position they're applying for? Some of it is exactly that, is being able to show your, your genuine interest and authentically share your passion with the company. Um, another piece of it is understanding what their pain points are. So doing your research to figure out like, okay, what is this job actually? Why a company has a job posting up, not just for fun. It's because they have a problem they're trying to solve. So what is that core problem and how can you speak to it directly in your cover letter, in your resume, in your interview, that in, in itself makes you such a stronger candidate than the other resume that's right next to yours because you have taken the time to understand what they need and then directly tied your experience and skill sets to that problem. So met with a guy, you know, super successful CEO worth hundreds of millions of dollars, sold his business. His first job that he ever got, he said he went in for the interview and he, this guy needed an assistant and he wanted to be this guy's assistant. He had targeted the specific individual. He had done all of his research. He spent weeks researching. And when he finally got the interview, he walked in and the guy said, why do you want this job? And he goes, because I've looked at every single person who's had this job and all of them are doing really well in life. And he said, let's start with Mike. And he went through each one of his assistants that he's ever had. And the guy said, listen, that's impressive. He said, why don't you go take a class at UCLA? When you sign up for a class at UCLA, you come back to me and let's see where, where you stand. He said he drove there in a suit, went around the campus, found the career center, signed up for a class, drove back to the company within two and a half hours and said, I signed up for the class. I still want this job. And the guy offered him the job the next day. See, there's a standout candidate who's like really showing, showing your passion, your enthusiasm, your research. So many people skip that research phase and it's incredibly impactful. And having the right questions afterwards and, you know, asking the right tough questions about maybe those pain points or about the opportunity or about what success looks like in that position, all those different things. So, so what does your process as a career coach look like? 
you know, summarize from the start when we're when you're working with somebody, what does it look like when it's done? Kind of when you're done working with them. So some of it's the things that we talked about in terms of the career sweet spot and breaking that down, really focusing on what are your passions, what are your skills, where could you see yourself adding value? How can we research that to learn more about that? So as I mentioned before, it's kind of it's the self-assessment, it's the some assessment tools, it's a lot of coaching and talking and me getting to be very nosy and asking tons of questions to pull this out of people. Um, then we go into what are what really does motivate you? What are the things that you need? This isn't just a hobby that you're going after. This is a, a part of your career. You have, you have logistics, you have needs you have to take care of. So what are those things? And then distilling all of that into what are your criteria, your career and life criteria for this next chapter? of your life? What are the things that really matter most? And really spelling that out so that you have you have a list. You have a list of 10 sentences written out that you can compare opportunities against as you're researching, as you're looking, learning about different companies, learning about roles. You can bring them back to this list. And does this match up with what I said I wanted or not? So that's all the foundational, the research piece of it. And then I work with them to, once you've done all that career visioning, to think about a, a strategy. And it depends on the person, but oftentimes we go into identifying a target list of, of companies. Who are the companies that you really would want to work for? What are What's the particular role that you could see yourself working in there? Who might you know who works there? Who do you know who knows someone? Who's a great connector in your life? Who can you tell about your interest in working with these companies so that you can find a way either through a warm lead or or cold lead to have conversations with people to do more of that that deep dive that research into these companies. So you're getting your funnel, you're going, you're funneling down here. Once we get to that stage of you found jobs either through networking or through applications that you're in process for, we do work on cover letters and resumes. We get there um, with the personal branding stuff. Um, we do interview prep, and the ideal is to get someone landing there their dream job. And for some people it's landing it, for some people it is creating their own dream job. Some of my folks that I work with are end up being entrepreneurs or job crafting within their existing role. So it's very personalized, depends on the on the individual, but that's the framework that I use to get people where they want to go. Yeah, and, and the neat thing is, is that that's your passion and then you get to do it every single day for other people. It is, it's yeah. really cool that I get to do this every day. So what would you say is a cornerstone of your beliefs and about the work that you do? I love this question too. And I think it's really important that you're rooted in your in your values and the things that matter to you in your work. And I think a cornerstone for me is that work can be something that you love. And I say that to people a lot. Like work doesn't have to be something that you're dragged off to, that you have to do. Work can be a, an integral part of your life and a part, something that lights you up from inside. I truly believe that people can find that for themselves. I feel very fortunate that I found it for myself, but I don't think I'm an outlier. I think that other people can find their own unique path, have work be something that they love as part of their life. So writing this blog the other day about about finding your passion, there was a statistic that said 14% of people, only 14% of people are passionate, completely passionate about their jobs. That means 86% are not. And that's sad to me. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to change that. That's why I have you on the podcast, because I want you to help all these people find their passion and get the job of their dreams and be happy each and every day of their life. And, and, and by the way, to pop out of bed, to go to where they're going to go that day, you know, to, to enjoy it. Um, 
So are there any stories, I mean, can you share with my listeners like stories of people that you've worked with that you're particularly proud of? Uh, there's so many. I mean, the ones that pop to mind, there's a few, but people who switched careers pretty, pretty dramatically are always fun to me. Um, someone who was a teacher and is now working as a data analyst. She was working uh, as a high school math teacher. Now she's a data analyst. Like that's a pretty big switch um, to make, but she was dedicated to it. We had to really think through like, okay, why is that the right role for you? How do we think about your your pitch and your networking strategy and how to get there? Um, so, so cool when she landed that job. I'm thinking of someone else who was a, a stay-at-home mom, a caregiver for about 15 years. And when it was time for her to, to re-enter the paid workforce, we were figuring out, okay, what is it that you really want to do? What are the things that you loved doing as, as a caregiver? What are the things that you excelled at as a caregiver? And how can that translate to this next stage? Uh, and now she's working in healthcare which is so cool. There's there's example after example of this, people who made these switches, who dedicated the time to having these conversations. Oh, another one who's who was in healthcare and now she's a professor. I love the, the there to now type of stories that because when they come back and tell me like, I love what I'm doing. I'm so happy in this work. That just gives me the goosebumps because that's the mission that I, I'm trying to get at is helping people get there. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny. I created this Quiggle assessment and, you know, you take the test and you become one of six archetypes. Well, I get a lot of people who are like, you know, I'm the guardian, which is that care, that person you're probably talking about that was the, yeah. you know, the caregiver for 15 years and then becomes health and, and you know, goes into health care. Yeah. But it's owning who you are, yeah. it, you know, because if you are the guardian, then you're caring, compassionate, helpful, hopeful, own it, then go find something that plays to your strengths. We try so often in life to change who we are for other people or for other things. When really we have such, we have our own superpowers, you know, our ability to impact other lives, to make a difference. And so that, that becomes very, very exciting. And a lot of that, I think, kind of comes back to attitude. What would you say is the best attitude to take into an interview? Like when you're, when you're, how do you advise people on that? So much of it is confidence, owning who you are, being authentic. Confidence is something that people come to me a lot for. They won't say it right off the bat. But then later on in the conversation, you're like, you know what? My confidence is really knocked because of, because of my last job. My confidence is really knocked because I haven't gotten any of these job interviews or I've been out of the workforce for X amount of time. So we work on that. We work on owning your, your, your core skills, the things that make you unique, uh, and then bring that into the conversation and feeling feeling confident, feeling being authentically telling your own story. So I see a lot of that with military, like ex-military. Because yeah. they're like, hey, I've been doing the same job ever. I'm like, what are you talking about? You get to walk into an interview and say, I'm the meticulous one, the detail-oriented one, the org, you know, organized, all these different things. And we, again, we all have our own values. And it goes back to, the, I think it was the imposter syndrome you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people just don't maybe know that they can do it or they don't think they can do it when they, you know, deep down, they have the skills or they have the ability. They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. It's funny if I if I was going to admit anything, you know, I, I get to speak for a living all around the world. I love it. And I get to meet incredible people. There's been moments where there's a big stage and a big audience. And I'm like, hmm, why me? Why this time? Like, am I worthy of this situation? I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. Why? Why not? I've had these great experiences, you know, and so even I have to talk myself into it sometimes to make sure that mm -hmm. I'm the one that I believe in myself. And I also want to say there's a difference between like cockiness and confident, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it, it, it's not, you know. I don't like cocky, but I do love confident. I want somebody who believes in themselves and the mission. And uh, 
I mean, would you agree with that as, as far as Absolutely. the difference? Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're, you're not going to be, when you think about like marketing, <laughs> you're not going to be attracted to a product that says like, we're fine, I guess, <laughs> but you're going to be attracted to a product that's like, I am really great at being a chocolate bar. Like this is delicious. This yeah, is amazing. Exactly. You want that. So like, how can you channel that as part of your own personal marketing and branding? You don't need to be obnoxious about it, but you do need to be selling a little bit about like what makes you great so that they will understand what's on the other side of the table and how you could add value to their organization. So let's get back to something that you we kind of brushed on earlier, but it's, it's this whole like being a mom and then trying to be an executive or trying to be a professional. And yeah. I, I want to talk about that for a minute, just because I think there are a lot of people out there that that's probably one of their biggest fears is, will I have the time? And, you know, can I, am I going to be uh, lacking in one area of my life if I put more time into this area of my life? Mm-hmm. You speak a lot about finding the balance of, of work and motherhood. What do you think is the biggest challenge there and how do you help people overcome that? I think there's two pieces of this. Um, one of it is a, one piece is around having some onus on the employers. And I talk about this a lot. I'm like, companies need to be thinking about not just like their employees aren't living to work. <laughs> their work is part of their lives, but they have lives too. And not just parents. These are everyone has different aspects of their lives and that makes them a valuable employee because they have other interests and things that they care about that make them a whole person. So what are the ways that employers can help to encourage more work-life balance, whether that is having work from home arrangements, having flex flexible schedules, being a, being actually letting people use their PTO and having leaders who showcase that you should be doing that. Thinking about meeting schedules, letting meetings only go from nine to three if possible. Four-day work weeks. There's so many different ways you can think of creatively about the work structure that allows for more work-life balance. So that's one piece of it. I think kind of speaking to employers out there being like, let's get creative about how we do this and retain great employees. And then from a personal side of it, what can you own for yourself? It's hard. It's hard to find the to find the best balance. But I think if you if you have a partner being really communicative about the things that you need and want and can work on together so that you're balancing the, the division of labor at home. Um, that's not always possible for everyone, but if you haven't had that conversation, you need to have that conversation so that you're not feeling the onus of all of the home stuff and the work stuff um, to make things happen. And then trying to be as efficient as possible with your time too. And, and this is kind of more on the onus on the person, but if you can be time blocking your schedule, if you can find ways that uh, work well for you to be most efficient, with your work so that you don't have, so you do have more time for for your life outside of work. You're getting your projects done in the most efficient way so you can close up shop and off we go um, into the next thing and not feeling like you're leaving stuff behind. You have come up with processes and systems and strategies that allow you to have more time available in your life. So love all that. And you know, as you said, you could talk to your partner. And for those, for those of you out there that don't have partners, you know, I, I think this is a great conversation to have with your kids. To sit yeah. down and say, hey, listen, I need I need this for me to expand because they're going to appreciate that. And they're going to see that mom or dad's working hard out there trying to do it on their own and, and, and also raise us. And I think down the road, that speaks a lot to their work ethic, to their integrity, to the way we communicate the struggles through that. Because life is not easy for anyone, right? I mean, there's struggles. We all have it along the way. Um, 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, two things. I, I talk a lot about the, the value of work-life presence over balance because mm. you said it too. It's, it's how you spend your time. I'm convinced if you spent one or two to- hours a day where you're really engaged, like actually listening, follow-up questions, listening, follow-up questions, it's probably most you know more than most parents do in a, in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of this is just being present. And uh, so, you know, we need to be where we are and be there fully. And I just challenge yeah. my listeners to do that. And when then when you're focusing on all this stuff that Becca's talking about, it just gives you that ample time to make sure those things are happening. Mm-hmm. So um, in your life, was there somebody that inspired you along the way? Somebody that, that really made an impact in your life that you can speak mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Um, so many people. I'm going to mention my grandmother who recently passed. Um, and a story that has come up recently about her experience and one that she told me kind of closer to the time that she did pass, um, was when she was an example that you gave earlier about a woman going back to college, uh, later on, she raised eight, eight kids. And once her youngest was in high school, she went back and got her associate's degree. And I always knew this about her and something that she said to me, um, very recently before she passed away was that. One of her kids would say say to her when she was sitting in the kitchen doing her her schoolwork, say like, "Mom, what are you working so hard for? Like, why why do you care so much about this?" And she she said like, "No, this is this is for me." Wow. And when she told me that, and I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it, she told me that after she had um, read my book um, when mommy grows up because she read the book and she was like, you know, this this brought something back to me about like something that was really important to me and I accomplished this goal for myself. And she ended up using her degree as well, kind of working in social work, um, which is very, very cool and the impact that she made. So all of my, my, my parents, my grandparents, they've all made a huge impact on me in different ways. Um, but I do want to give my, my grandmother a, a shout out there um, in that particular impact that she drove. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your grandmother. However, I will say I'm, so, I'm sure she was so proud of you. Come on, reading your granddaughter's book seeing the impact that she has on other lives. I mean, in our wildest fantasy as a parent, and I, I would guess eventually as a grandparent, I mean, you couldn't be more proud. So congratulations on that. And I also love the fact that the people you just named were all part of your family. I mean, I know that there are people out there that may not have that opportunity. You know, it's unique and fun that you did. And and I, there are people in my life too, and some of us, some of us do have that, but maybe others don't. So then we find it in teachers or coaches yeah. or friends. And so, you know, it's just recognizing those people. And and then I challenge you, if you're listening right now, to maybe reach out to those people when you think about them and, and let them know the impact they had on their lives because uh, they may not tell you they need it, but maybe they need it to hear it right here, right now in their lives, mm-hmm. just yes. the impact that they have. And um, mm-hmm. I call those attitude of gratitude calls. I love yeah. doing them in my life. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say that it was it was just for them, but it's for me too. I love doing it and it's it makes an impact. So I love that. what is the best advice that you've ever received? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to laugh because both it's from my family again. Uh, but my family has been really impactful in my life. So I'm going to give you two. One was from my dad, which apparently is Dale, Dale Carnegie said this first, but I was a credit to my dad um, saying, be interested by be, be interesting by being interesting, but interested. <laughs> I messed that up so no, many say, times. Say it again. <laughs> okay. Be, be interesting by being interested. Oh, nice. And my dad worked in sales his entire career, and he always asked really good questions. And he was always interesting to people because he was interested 
in them. And that was a piece of advice I've always took with me. Apparently it's Dale Carnegie, but I'm going to go ahead and credit Chuck Horan on that too, because he, he taught me that and has really instilled that um, idea of getting to know people and relationships as being really important. So that was one. And then um, another one was from my mom and something that she said to me as my, my kids were little and I thought, oh my gosh, this is the last summer that I'm going to have with my kids um, when they were babies, babies. Um, so I'll be working and I want to be a, a working mom. And she goes, okay, well, why does it have to be that way? And I was like, well, I, I don't, I don't know. And this past summer, I spent the summer with my kids while I was still working and they did some camps and stuff too. But like, she just, she challenged me to think about what my working mom life had to look like. Um, so I really appreciated his advice about asking questions and her advice about just challenging, challenging the status quo and finding a way that works well for, for you and your family. So a lot of my listeners are, are CEOs or owners of companies. I challenge you at this moment in the podcast to rewind that, pull your daughter in, let her listen to Becca talking about how, why it doesn't have to be that way, how we can think outside the box and create our own version of our lives. And that's the power we all have. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's awesome. I love every, every single thing that you just said right there, everyone needs to hear. And, and what, so that you can maybe share it with somebody that you care about, you know, so maybe you don't have a daughter, but maybe somebody else does and talk to them about mm-hmm. that and make an impact in their lives. So do you personally ever use um, personality assessments with your clients? If so, I'd be just curious how that works. Yeah, I do. do? Um, A lot of my coaching is done just like in talking and me asking questions, um, being interested in them. Uh, But I do. I use personality assessments. What I find them to be helpful is um, helping people find new language to talk about things. Um, Sometimes you don't really understand and an assessment can just spit back to you some different ways to talk about your own experience and skills and innate abilities. And that's what I love about them is it's a way to reframe and structure things that maybe you just couldn't um, conceptualize on your own. Nice. And and guess what? You know, it's it's kind of the reason why I created the Quiggle assessment, because I was sick of taking tests that are like, hey, uh, you're, e-, you know, I can't walk around and say I'm ENBI or I'm yellow or I'm blue. Yeah. But I wanted to use real terms to be able to show the strength that I have, that my superpower, my purpose and market it accordingly. And mm-hmm. it's based on the science that 20 years ago, we had a 20 minute attention span. Today, it's eight seconds, according to Google. So in eight seconds, if you're not interesting, you know, magnetic, they'll swipe by you, swipe by your story, swipe by your resume. So I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear that you use that and that uh, you've had success with it. So we talk, we, and by the way, I've asked you to talk a lot about other people along the way. So what do you do to take care of yourself, um, both mentally, physically, like in, in this world where you're being torn? I promise you, you know it in so many different directions. You're wearing tons of hats, especially mm-hmm. with little kids. You have two little kids, you said. Uh you're being torn in all these directions. What do you take? What do you do to take care of yourself? Yeah. Uh, and first of all, I do want to give a shout out to your assessment because I took it and I think it's great. And I'm the creator, which I believe is one of um, nice. which really resonated with me. So first of all, thank you for that. And by the way, uh, I can see that you're the creator. Come on, you're bold. You know, you're unique. You're all these different things that are everything that a creator is. So I could see it, that right away. So that's it, great. It felt I could feel it when I when I got that that answer. So I like that a lot. Um, and then how I take care of myself. It's a big goal of mine when I was starting my own business is that I wanted to work from home because I knew that working from home would give me more 
of this time back in my life. So before I was working from home, when I was working full time at another at when I was working at Harvard Business School, which I loved working at Harvard Business School, but it was an hour and a half away each time. I'm not right in Boston. I'm, I'm outside of Boston. So with traffic and that took a lot of my kind of self-care time away when I'm working from home, I can get the kids on the bus and I can get a quick workout in. Um, I can sleep a little bit more. Uh, I'm not getting up at uh, be- well before dawn to get to work. So, so much of that is just like, if you can find like work from home works for me, sometimes flexible schedules work for other people that you can find a way to carve out some of this time that's important to you. It's a game changer. I know it's really has, has helped me a lot in my life. And, and it goes back to the whole thing. Like, again, we focus so much on everyone else, what they're eating, you know, do they have lunch or dinner ready? All these different things. How are we eating? You know, how are we paying attention to our own, you know, well-being and our own uh, health and wellness and, and our mindset? All that matters. So it's good, again, that you're getting people to think about that and talk about that. So lastly, is there anything in particular you'd like to say to our audience before we go here today? Well, I've just been super inspired by this conversation and like hearing the stories that you shared uh, about people who have uh, showcased their passion, found new new jobs, or swapped stories a couple of times along those lines. And I just want people to leave this conversation feeling inspired that you can make a change. You're not stuck doing the thing that you signed up for when you were 18 or 22 or 25, et cetera. You can make a change. And when you do make a change, you're not just positively impacting your own life. You're positively impacting the life of your family. You're positively impacting the world by giving what you are great at and putting that out into the world. Making a change is not is not impossible and it's not selfish. It's something that is going to add value. So I encourage you to go do it. Great way to end. However, I would say that if you're listening to this, you know, with, with just the audio, okay, which some of my listeners will be. Um, you can't see the smile on Becca's face, but I can. And the way you light up when you're talking about that, I love that with my whole heart and soul, because that's the kind of passion that I'm talking about. That's the kind of passion that I challenge my listeners to try to achieve. And by the way, you know, I can't help it. I'm a karma person. Like I believe if you do the right thing, it's going to come back to you tenfold. And if it doesn't, who cares? You did the right thing. But when you invest in others, it comes back. When you invest in yourself, it's going to affect others in a positive way because you are, like Becca said, going to feel better about yourself, your future. You're going to be more optimistic, more positive. And these are all good things in your life. So I really appreciate you sharing all these things with my listeners, Becca. Thank you so much for having the time today to share your expertise, experience with all of us. Uh, If anyone wants to follow Becca, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at at with underscore love underscore Becca, and we'll put that in the show notes, or go to her website, which is BeccaCarnahan.com. That's B-E-C-C-A-C-A-R-N-A-H-A-N.com. If you'd like to read her book, you can find it under When Mommy Grows Up. I hope you all were able to glean some real life advice from today's episode. If you liked it, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Quiggle Group or on Facebook, The Quiggle Group. And be sure to check out the Quiggle Assessment available on our website, www.quigglegroup.com. I hope you got some great takeaways for your business and personal life and feel inspired to take on the challenges to create your future, not someone else's, yours. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this leadership podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and also gets the message out to more listeners around the world. 
To rate, review, and subscribe, please visit quigglegroup.com forward slash iTunes. Thank you for listening to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, joined today by Becca Carnahan. Lead well. Well.